You're listening to The Love Yegg Show. If our city could talk, these are the stories it would tell about the people, places, and passion in Edmonton. We interview difference makers in our community. Please welcome your hosts, Sherry Beauchamp and Jesse McCracken. Sometimes we just get chatting with somebody and we click so well. Um, Stephanie Hanlon from the Skate Tech Group of Companies was just, uh, this is a really enjoyable conversation we had. And she runs actually three legacy companies here in Edmonton. And it was just, it was such a pleasure. She dropped so many um, hidden gems. If you're a business owner or just somebody um, who is looking at, you know, being the best version of yourself, she, she's she got some some gems hidden in there here. So enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Love the Egg Show. My name is Sherry Beauchamp and I'm here with Jesse McCracken. Hello, hello. And we have um, a guest today that is definitely um, into the business. It's very close to my heart. Um, she is Steffi, Stephanie Hanlon from Pro, uh, actually Skate Tech Group of Companies, which includes Pro Skate, been around for 35 years, Quantum Speed, 20 years, Skating Success, 10 years. Uh, she is the, the CEO of Skate Tech Group of Companies. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thanks for the invitation, ladies. Yeah. Yeah. You, we were kind of talking a little bit before, and um, these are all legacy companies here in Edmonton that started, you know, way back when. I remember um, coming to the city and skating and getting your skate sharp, and there was like really, that was the place to go, you know, was pro skate. They knew how to like do it right. So I think um, it's really cool to kind of come full circle and speak with you and you obviously know Christine that we chatted about that too so um we're happy to have you join us well thanks um, very much appreciate it yeah can you um kind of give us kind of give us a little um insight into the journey of you know how did how did you all start you know where did pro skate where did the idea come from um and and sort of how has it evolved over the years well, well, ProSkate itself, honestly, was a company that was started in Alberta over 40 years ago and had um, was a gentleman out of Hungary that moved from Hungary with his family and he immigrated to Calgary and uh, his name was Charlie Raz and they opened up in Calgary and one thing led to another and they, de- they developed a skate business and started to really understand the importance of skate fit and the, you know, the, the products that were going into skates and blade alignment. And they really had a lot of care and attention into what they were doing in the skating industry. And his children were um, figure skaters and one thing led to another. And so, you know, scoot ahead and, um, a young, a young guy named Patrick Francie became best friends with the, the sons at the time. And uh, he was looking for a job in Edmonton and he partnered with them. And he's very much, uh, he had experience in um, sales and in um, also in 
um, sort of high-end industrial supply chains and those types of things. So we understood the business and the Raz family was very much about the creative and the skate. So they came together and took the business to the next level and Patrick became partners in that business. And Patrick was my skate guy back in the day. And um, I was one of those weird entrepreneur, female skating coaches that just wasn't prepared to live by the rules. I didn't want to play by the rules. I wanted to do things that were different. I wanted to work with the NHL and I wanted to make a difference and change the world of skating. And he thought I was a little weird, <laughs> but you know, he, he kind of saw me as an entrepreneur and not just a normal skating coach. And he really got behind me and he helped me, you know, find jerseys for my hockey um, camps and find skates that were from Europe. And he really got behind me. And uh, that was in the late 80s, in the late 80s. And uh, he really was committed, really creative and wanting skates to fit properly. He wanted to remove the pain. He thought, you know, skates should fit your foot. Your foot doesn't have to fit your skate. So he took this whole passion around what it could be like for figure skaters and high-end hockey players and just spent all his time um, trying to figure that out. And I was just one of his clients. And then one thing led to another. We met. Um, we didn't just actually, you know, fall in love, but there was a journey there too, which is a hilarious, totally other podcast. But um, <laughs> we uh, we met and uh, I we were able to bring our businesses together. We were just a couple of Northside kids that were passionate. I was passionate about skating and development of athletes, and he was passionate about really understanding the body, the biomechanics, the kinesthetic, you know, the kinesthetic awareness, what it takes. And next thing you know, he's designing skates for Bauer. He's designing skates for Dau and for Graf, and I'm demonstrating and doing things. And I'm working for the Edmonton Oilers, and we just ended up taking and elevating it to the next level, it's totally unobtrusively. We had no idea what we were doing at the time, and when we look back and realize the impact that pro skates had, just this company in Edmonton, a couple mm -hmm. of Northside Edmonton kids have had a huge impact in the skating and hockey business. We've got, gosh, Olympic champions. We've got NHL you know, Stanley Cup champions that are clients. We've got people that just, you know, regular, you know, people that want to skate around at Mayfair Park, you know, Horlack Park, you know, just skate around in the outdoors, just clients from all levels that just love the service. So that's what we did. Wow, I love it. Honestly, just hearing you, I'm, I'm, I'm not as much of a skater as, as you guys are, but my, <laughs> my partner was a hockey player and we have a cabin out at Martin Beach and he, we had to go, we forgot our skates and the lake was perfect. It was like the wind blew the snow off and it's like we needed skates. And um, so we went to Canadian Tire, only place in town, got some skates, I think at the time. And he was like, complained the whole time about the fit of his skates. And he's like, I've these things are the worst skates I've ever worn. He's <laughs> telling me about his skates, growing up with skates. And so I could understand your passion just through his eyes. But there's nothing worse than something that, you know, you're trying to do something fun and your feet are in pain the entire time. So I could imagine for your guys' clientele how um, amazing that feels. You know, similar to a pair of ski boots, which I could understand. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I went into uh, pro skate to get my skate sharpened and they're like, well, what kind of hollow do you, do you want? And I was like, what do you, what <laughs> do you, yeah, what are you talking about? Like, I just usually take them down to the rink and the rink guy does them and then they're sharp, you know? So uh, I remember very vividly going into pro skate for the first time. It's a really, um, it's like you say, it's, it's a whole nother level of experience for um, 
you know, for that industry, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, and now you've kind of taken that to a whole nother, you, you mentioned like working with professionals and, um, you know, NHL teams and that kind of thing. And now you're working as a performance coach. Correct. So can you talk a little bit about what that entails and, and sort of what, um, you know, what does that look like as far as uh, what do you do as a performance well, coach? The journey actually started in, in pro skate. I was really um, at, a, at, the, at a point in my career when I realized that, you know, there wasn't going to be any kind of pension when I was ready to retire. And, and as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, I thought, well, how do I, how do I scale my skating business? And how do, how do we scale this retail business in a way that, you know, we can still live in Edmonton, we can still do what we love to do with our families and in our community where we contribute. Like we, we spent a lot of time, you know, volunteering and contributing and doing the things because that was where our families were and that's what we did. So we didn't want to leave that sense of community. And there's just so you know, we, we live in BC now and there's nothing like the feeling of Edmonton. Um, there is a, a very special way that people are in, in Alberta. And I have to tell you, it's not that it's bad in BC, but there is a very, very much a, a different level of con connection and commitment that we've discovered and, uh, you know, and we miss, we really miss it. So what we were doing at the time was we were both trying to scale our businesses. The real estate, um, Patrick was, we were investing in real estate because that's how we thought we were going to make, you know, our, our retirement because we neither of us could see ourselves working at 65 as hard as we we're working 10, 12, 15 hours a day, as much as passionate we were, um, as passionate as we were, um, we just both know that we, we want to spend more time with family and, and, and do other things. So we started looking at other ways of generating income and we learned about investing and we started investing in um, high quality rental properties that we could provide safe and affordable housing for people in Edmonton and in Grand Prairie and sort of in the local areas. So we really started to see the, the value of taking our money, investing it and really committing to having homes for people that they could be long-term if they were renters. So that became um, kind of like an ancillary kind of way that we were now starting to generate revenue. We're like, oh, this is kind of cool. Then one thing led to another and we started to feel a little bit more secure in the, in the, um, in the financial side of our life. And then of course, for us, what happens as soon as you feel comfortable, then you got to find a bigger problem. And ours, our bigger problems always had to do with contribution and, and where are we going to show up and how are we going to help them? Um, Patrick had a young man who was just finishing his figure skating career um, in the late eighties, early nineties. And uh, he was working for pro skate sharpening skates. The one before him was the one you may have heard before his name was Kurt Browning. Um, happened to be, you know, world champion, you yeah. know, a couple times over. So Patrick um, had, he had provided jobs for these young skaters that, you know, really didn't have time to have real jobs or real part-time jobs. So he would bring these people in and help them and train them and give them part-time, whether, you know, he, um, <laughs> it's pretty funny, like Kurt would come in and bring popcorn and the guys would love it. And whether, whether he worked or not, you know, we, we paid them. It was just one of those things. So there was another young man, his name was Ben Ferreira, and uh, he was working at Pro Skate at the time, and he was trying to retire from bigger skating. He had qualified, he didn't qualify for the Olympics one year, and he, he didn't qualify for the national team. So he was ready to come back to Edmonton and retire. And he was working at Pro Skate and uh, talking to Patrick, he says, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, when I kind of leave skating. And he says, well, you should talk to my wife. She's an NHL skating coach. She's just spent 
nine years with the Edmonton Oilers, four years with the St. with the St. Louis Blues, and she's training as a personal performance coach. But her goal is to help athletes transition from sport to life after sport. You should really talk to her. So they're in the back office talking about that. And I walk in the front door. Hmm. And it was one of those moments in time where he says, as a matter of fact, here she is. And so Ben and I spent three or four hours in the office and uh, talked about what, what his life could look like after sport. I started to using, using my new personal performance coaching skills, life coaching, NLP, all the things that I've been training throughout my career as an NHL skating coach. Because I knew back in the day that skating wasn't just physical. There was also very much an emotional, mental, and a spiritual aspect to, to when people are passionate about what they love to do. So I started investigating that. So as I was leaving the, the NHL and trying to retire off the ice and train myself to help other people transition their careers, that's when, when Ben showed up and I started helping him transition. So one thing led to another. I ended up in, in Nagano, Japan in 2002 with him, some random uh, way and uh, realized that this is really what I wanted to do. I wanted to help athletes really figure out who they were and, and why they were doing what they were doing and not just the physical side about, but what about what it could be like if they could see their life as a contribution. So I started working with, uh, with figure skaters. And then I started keep, keep kept training in the, uh, in the world of, um, personal coaching and development at the same time running pro skate. And I started to realize I had to get my name off the power skating thing. And that's when quantum speed was born. I was working with a young woman named Vanessa and her and I were able to scale and, and create a program called quantum speed, what used to be called the Stephanie Hanlon power skating I took my name off it so that, you know, people weren't coming for the Stephanie program. They were coming for eventually we, we've established a, a huge brand called quantum speed, high performance skating systems that was happening in parallel. And then I ended up getting hired um, for the national governing body called skate Canada. And I did their weekend for their national, what was it called? Their national team weekend. And it was called skating inside out. And I think I was one of the first people back. This was 19 in 2002 that would talk about what was going on internally, emotionally, um, intellectually, spiritually, as you were growing as an athlete, you're still a person, you're a person first, and the sport is the vehicle for you to move forward and to give you what you want in your life. But most people have it flipped. They think I'm an athlete, I'm a skater, I'm a hockey player. And I'm like, no, you know, you're a human being first. Mm-hmm. And let's find a way because you know what, if they don't use sport to get a degree or, you know, create a, a career or whatever, then sport will use them. And that wasn't okay with me. I, you know, I would see 18 year old hockey players when I was with the Oilers, they would show up and they'd be, you know, bright eyed and super excited and what was going on. And they'd just get spit right out. You know, the sport, it can be really vicious. So I thought, you know what, that's who I want to work with. I want to work with those people that really have a passion for the game, but know that there's life after. So I spent a lot of time doing that and I had to train myself because there's no degree in that. There's mm-hmm. no degree. There's no education that says, here's, here's how you become a personal performance coach in the, in the world of performance psychology consulting. What, what? There's no, right. there's no such thing. So I had to train and get educated and take courses and go to school and piecemeal together, you know, the, the credibility and the certifications that I needed to know that this is missing. You can't just be a psychologist and then all of a sudden jump in and work with athletes. It's important. It's, it's, it's impossible. Or you can't just be a sports psychologist and then all of a sudden know what happens at the highest level of sport. It's impossible. 
So I thought, well, how do I become that person? How do I close the gap? So for the last 20 years, I've been working in the world of ice dance. And now we're just getting ready for the Beijing Olympics. This will be my fourth Olympics. And I transitioned, took my role as a business owner and partner with Patrick and ProSkate, created and scaled Quantum Speed with my partner, um, Vanessa Hedinger, and she runs Quantum Speed. And then we started to see the gap in figure skating. And that's where we started skating success with Ben and Jadine Ferreira. So the three companies together are committed to being a world-class skating development um, company that allows not just coaches, but athletes to really learn about who they're being in the sport and then how to use those skills in life after sport. There's, love it. So, yeah, there's so much what you just said that I just absolutely love. So I, much. Yeah. <laughs> I know you Vanessa. You've got a really good for partners. You know, yeah. you got a good, you got totally. a good picker. <laughs> yeah. Because to be able to have the partners from the very beginning and like you said, be able to scale and then move on and be able to build something else. I mean, that, that is amazing. So you obviously have a really great judge of, of character and, and you're extremely hard worker. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, yeah, I guess that, but they're also, when you think about, you know, to your point, Jesse, is that how do you choose the right partners? How do you know that this is the right situation? Um, are they going to be as committed as you? Are they, are they, you know, who are they being in their own lives? And that's where I think where a lot of in times businesses as business owners, you know, I really took time to figure that out. I slowed everything down, you know, and I just didn't panic. I didn't rush. I got a little bit scared when the whole Olympic thing showed up in, for 2006 in Torino when I ended up getting invited by my clients and partners, business partners now in the Ice Academy in Montreal. Um, Marie France Dubray and Patrice Lausanne, they asked me to be their performance coach and mentor them to the 2006 Olympics. And I said, oh, okay, what does that mean? But I knew in my gut there was something about them that was going to be a long-term relationship so to me i looked at it as how can i invest in them so that i invest in myself i invested in them and at the same time am i going to help move the sport forward because as you know um sport can be quite damaging it can it can it if you see it as something outside of you it can be quite quite damaging and hurtful and i've seen many hockey players just destroyed you know by expectations or um, things that aren't going well or they don't take care of their bodies they don't take care of their their heart their spirit and they they can really disappear out of nowhere and the same thing was happening in figure skating and I thought you know I'm really going to take a stand and I didn't have any mentors there was no one there that could say you know this is how you do it here here's the rule book here's the you know here's the syllabus on how to become a personal performance coach to help athletes figure out who they are and, you know, have a life after sport and not shut down or go work, you know, in Subway. Not that that's a bad thing, but when you think about being on the podium or an NHL skating coach, then what? So my commitment was to be the then what? And then I had to find people and attra hopefully attract the right people. If I was being true and authentic to myself, that I would attract the right people that would have the same passion or the same vision. And then to your point is that how did they then partner with me, but bring their own special gifts and do it on their own terms so that I could get out of the way and they could flourish. Because if I'm still in the way and controlling what it is that they're doing, then none of this works. You know, this has to be a way to bring people forward. My mom always said, you know, you have to have a mentor and an apprentice. 
And as a leader, you have to stay in the middle. You must have a mentor and you must have an apprentice. So I've always had a coach. Like for the last 40 years, I've always had a coach, whether it was a, a sport coach or a, a business coach or whatever coach. And I've always had an apprentice. So the energy is always coming in through me and then out to someone else. And that was a real true gift. And I think that's why it was, you know, finding the right people wasn't difficult because I was looking for values. I was looking for the people that could align with what I believed in. I wasn't going to compromise my values or compromise myself by investing or putting money into something and then get, you know, them leaving or stealing my stuff and going off. I wanted to commit and slow down, like I said before, find the right people and then invest in them deeply. Um, there's so much wisdom in that. Hmm. So much. I'm like, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm totally listening to this again. <laughs> cool. I've listened to too many of them, but there is so much in that. That was just very, very good. Thank you. I went to, um, I went to university with Vanessa and she, yeah, she's just a really like really great person and very skilled coach. I think, you know, Jesse and I talk about this a lot where like, when you're hiring for a position or when you're creating a team or when you're building something, you can teach all the skills. It's the values that will make it stick. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and how do you know that? You, you know, what I've learned is that you learn that under adversity, people show up who they are under adversity, you know, the resilience and those kind of qualities that are, are important to, to me as first of all, as a human being and as a business owner and a person that is committed to, you know, just, <laughs> contribution is that people show up for who they really are under pressure. And that's really what Vanessa and I've been through. Like she was 14 years old when her dad approached me and said, I want you to mentor my daughter. I'm like, okay, sure. Let's see what happens. You know? So he brought her to the university of Alberta where I was coaching and kind of let her loose. And, and she knocked on the, you know, she was waiting for me to finish coaching. That's what it was. And uh, I go to the coach's room taking a break for 15 minutes while the Zamboni was out there and uh, I didn't hear from her. So I walk out of the dressing room and she's standing in the hallway and I just looked at her and I knew it was her. I'd never met her before other than teaching her that she was wearing a shield and all that stuff. And I said, Vanessa, you know what, if you're going to get anywhere in this life, you got to knock on some doors. Hmm. And I walked away and she, at 14 years old, had the wherewithal to find a phone, basically back then, find a, totally, <laughs> yeah. Find yeah, a yeah, yeah. call her dad and say, dad, I think I screwed up. I missed the opportunity. I'm going to stay, spend another hour here. And then I'm, go I'm going to go down again and I'm going to do it again. Sure enough, hour later, Zamboni goes on the ice. I go to the coach's room. I hear this knock, knock, knock. I open the door. There you go. And the rest is history. We've been partners for almost for over 20 years now. That's awesome. That's okay. so awesome. I'm, I'm so curious, like, what piece of advice would you give? Like, uh, like you said, a lot of athletes come in bright-eyed, bushy-tail. So what is like, the, the one key piece of advice that you would give, um, like, a, a, a new athlete that is, you know, hit a stage where they're about to either, you know, go up or, or go down? Oh boy, that is the, that's the, the, the crop, you know, the crucible moment where, you know, I think the biggest thing is to, to listen to themselves, 
to understand that the parents, um, their trusted advisors, their friends, their teammates <clears throat> all have their own journey. And yes, there's important information coming from those people, but to sit quietly with themselves and decide if this is the journey they want to go on. Cause it's not easy. It's not easy. And find somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit outside that circle. And that's what Venice and I do. And Venice does really well. She does a series for parents called gap control and she'll work with the parents in the gap, right? Because in the gap between where I am and where I want to go, there's a gap. And that's where most people get lost is they're doing it for the shoulds. You know, I should go to the NHL. I should go to the Western League. I should get a degree. I should, I should, and they're shooting all over themselves, right? I should, should, should. And it's not, it, it's okay to have that conversation and be confused. But if you don't have somebody just to get that stuff out with, then sometimes they make decisions that aren't to their highest good. They make their decisions based on what their parents want for them or what their best friend wants or what their girlfriend at the time want. Or boy, like they just make decisions because the maturity isn't quite there yet. And the wisdom comes from experience. But there's a lot of times where people are giving advice based on what's best for the person giving advice. So what we've done and what Vanessa, myself, uh, Jadine Ferreira, Patrick, like the people in our world is we go, okay, well, we're going to be the neutral source and you're going to be the person that's going to bump into what you really, 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 really want and why. And that's where I would give to whether it's an athlete or, or an athlete's family, family advisor is to slow down, get rid of the hype. It's not about the money. You know, it's not about the money. If you're making it about the money, you're not going to do it for the right reasons. Well, the longevity, right? It won't last. And, or it's going to be gone, right? Totally. <laughs> and we've learned that now, right? In yeah. 2021, going into 2022. If you've done your life for the wrong reasons, there's not a, list of, not a lot of stability there. You know, there, the questioning, the fear, the divisiveness, there's things that are, but that's just life. It's just mm -hmm. amplified right now. Mm -hmm. it's still happening. It was no different than this 10 years ago. It's just amplified. So, you know, what we've really done is slow down and take the time to work with every athlete that comes through our programming, regardless, I mean, even a pro skate, you know, that's, <laughs> if you get to know over the years is that players will come in and talk about what they need to skate. And next thing you know, they're talking about nutrition and they're talking about mental performance. And then they're talking about, well, geez, I could take this course. So do you know the best trainer? Because we become a, like, a, like almost like a resource. And so every one of our businesses and that's, I think, why they link so well together is that we've become a resource to really put the athlete in the center. And then over time, parents just start to trust us. We just become that resource. So they go, do you know this? Do you know this academy? Do you know this thing in BC? Have you heard of this thing in Trois-Rivières? Have you heard this thing in Notre Dame? Have you heard this thing in Colorado? And, and Vanessa and I go, as a matter of fact, yes, we have a contact there. So by trusting that and really aligning and only really attracting, and we know pretty well when people aren't aligned with our values. It's very clear, very, very clear. And I don't want to make it about gender, but being a woman in sport is hilarious because mm -hmm. I'm, I, my line is, come on, underestimate me. Mm -hmm. And gentle, quiet, you know, we're not aggressive. We just don't want to be underestimated with what we know and what we can do and what we can produce and what we can contribute. And the minute somebody underestimates us, we just walk away. No fight, no push, no fight. Yeah. 
Well, it's about picking, picking your, well, not even your battles, but picking your wins too, right? Because some of them are worth, and sometimes it's just, it's just not because it's not necessarily your journey that's stopping them. It's their own. Absolutely. And their, and their thought processes, you know, um, I do a series uh, of podcasts right now. It's called Mindset Matters. And my husband, Patrick, and I have taken all of our wisdom over the last 30 years and lessons, the ups and downs and, you know, all of our mistakes and the things that have gone well. And we've put it into a, a podcast. And honestly, we have talked in, over the last 10 weeks about things that I think people are afraid to talk about. And as we enter a new world, you know, there's going to be some conversations that have to be happen that have to happen with families and with kids. And it's, it's going to go on a new trajectory and we don't want to be the ones that are in the way that stop the new trajectory. So we're looking at all our businesses and how we can, can figure out how best to take care of athletes, especially that are going to be terrified. You know, they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if they're going to be able to play their games or if their parents can come and watch. And, you know, what's going to happen Like with nutrition, what's happening right now with their bodies. We really want to be a resource. So we're taking everything we've done over the last years and not saying, oh, well, 20 years ago, we used to do it this way. We're saying, okay, this is how it is now. And here's how we can help discover what it is that you need to help you and your family move forward. So from whether it's pro skate, quantum speed, or skating success, you know, it's like a bit of a Jenga game, you know, we're, or, a, you know, shell game. We're saying, okay, what do you need here? What do you need in the skating world? What do you need in the mental performance? What do you need in the fitness? What do you need in nutrition conversation? Do you want to have a conversation about what's it going to be like if you have to move away from home? You know, so we're open to those before they get to the agent or before they get to the professional level, have they fleshed it out? Have they talked it out with somebody that's neutral? And to me, that's really important right now. There's so many aspects of sport. I mean, um, you mentioned some of the, some of the stuff that you've trained in, you know, NLP and, you know, the mind body connection, and you're talking about spiritual, um, how that equates to all of it, you know, and then I really think, you know, injuries and things like that, they show up physically in our body for a reason and, and that kind of thing. So I, I really, I mean, I really dig the way that it seems that you're approaching those kinds of things and connecting all the dots where, you know, I even think about my own kids who are like eight and 10, um, not in like high performance sport or anything yet, but there's so much to learning the sport than just the physical. Um, and I think it's really cool how you guys are, um, being a, a, a resource because I think all of those pieces come into play, regardless of what level you're playing at or, uh, what age you are or what sport you are really. So a responsible, responsible resource, you know, and I think yeah. that that is like, yeah, we're like I said, you're touching on all everybody in the sport, not just the child, because what the parents are doing and their peers are doing, all of it really is. Like I said, it all is the big picture. And so it sounds like a very responsible and, um, yeah, respectful approach to the the athlete first. <laughs> well, I think it has to be, you know, I was, my line growing up, you know, through the navigating the journey of professional sport is that, you know, people say, well, what do you do? You know, I heard you teach skating. You know, I go, actually, no, I don't teach skating. I teach people how to skate faster. Hmm. Like, I don't teach skating. Anybody can teach skating, you know, and I always thought that was normal. 
<laughs> but, and so I thought that was normal because that's how I was raised. That's how the people that my parents put around me that make sure that, you know, that it was about you, but had to be about purpose. I mean, if it's about passion, it's only about you. It's super small and selfish, but if it's about purpose, it's about other people. It's about where you can show up, you know, and how you make a contribution. And what I'm finding in the last couple of years, parents don't know where to turn. You know, they've got these, these precious children in their lives that need to, you know, it takes a village. And one of the um, women that was working for us a little while ago, amazing woman, she's got two kids and they were in our programs and we were having a meeting and I was talking to um, our team, the whole skate tech group of companies. And I said, so what we need to do is we have to reach out to the parents. And because what's happened over the last year and a half or two years is that they, the kids have been pulled out of sport. So they haven't had the mentorship and the coaching outside the parenting. And so I'm talking, thinking that everybody's in the same conversation and she starts crying. I'm like, are you okay? And she said, you're so right. She goes, my kids need coaching. They need outside influences that are going to help us raise them because we're so used with baseball or golf or um, hockey, figure skating, chess, tiddlywinks. It doesn't matter. <laughs> People that could influence. And then we get to navigate and choose. But right now for the last year and a half or two years, it's just been us. Or it's been a random person online or a teacher that doesn't know what's going on or a coach that has left because whatever. So there's this gap that's happening. And so what we decided very quickly is that we want to fill that gap because where do parents go? How do they redefine and find a new village? How are they going to wrap their kids around people that align with their values? Um, we used to use the vehicle of sport quite easily. It was obvious, you know, whether it was baseball for some people or working out. I mean, there's, we have resources in the entire sport industry that I would refer in a heartbeat. And there's some that I would say, stay away from that guy because we've been in it for so long. But as a parent, what we're finding is the, the fear of, okay, now where do I put my precious child? Who do I surround them with? Because we've been pulled out of the environment for the last while. And now everybody's panicking, coming back in. They're trying to sell this and they're trying to make a living and they're trying to catch up on their income and revenue. So who do I trust? And that's what we want to do is we just want to, and now we're starting to surround ourselves. Okay. Who there's that want to create like a consortium of, of sport professionals, uh, people in the industry that are values based people who put the player first, put the player in the center and then put all the resources around the player. So the parent can go and they can just sigh and not go, Oh, I just have to trust the volunteer person that's now coaching my kid that's never been on the ice before. So is that enough? And we go, okay, how do we be a resource to make sure that you can ask the right questions to make sure that, that those people are enough? We can't take things for granted anymore. We have to take the time to dig in, find the right people, put the right resources in place because you know sport is going to be one of the safe ways of, of of navigating through to what's next, whatever that is for us. But it's more important to put your children, I feel, in environments that they're gonna be challenged, it's gonna be fun, they're gonna be pushed, and they're gonna be stretched, and they're gonna to learn to compete, and they're gonna to learn to cooperate, all the things we took for granted before. And, and I don't want that to, to be lost. That um, kind of 
leads us into the question we like to ask all of our guests, which is, um, you know, you've been in this business now for, you guys have paved the trail in a, in a lot of different ways, right? Like you've created um, a whole other stream of relationships and support and, and ways of, um, you know, really supporting creating an environment for that gives athletes the best opportunity to succeed throughout all of the companies really. Um, so if you, you know, if you're looking forward now and you're thinking, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, maybe even after you've handed off your companies, uh, you know, what, what's sort of the legacy that you want to leave behind? What, how do you want people to remember the, the work that you're doing right now? I think the, for me, the biggest thing is that in some ways that they forget me and that it's about them. Maybe not forget me in the, in the, when I took my name off quantum speed, I did it consciously. You know, that was hard because if you look in the world of sport and you look in the world of high level teaching and coaching, it's the person's name. That's their mm -hmm. legacy. And I knew that if I was going to be able to create a legacy for somebody else, that I had to take my name off of it. And that was very difficult. So as I handed quantum speed and I'll, you know, and, and Vanessa will take it to another level. JD will take skating success to another level. We've got an amazing crew at pro skate. I'll walk into the rink right now. Nobody knows who I am. And that's how I know I've done a great job. They hear about me every once in a while. And I do the seminars and Vanessa's like, you know, Stephanie Hanlon created quantum speed. Right. And they're like, who? That's uh, no, that is so impressive. And like I said, where you were saying, like, how do you want to show up? And, and even like before we press record, you're just like the things that you're doing for other people. And it's not, you know, you're getting off of a first class flight and grabbing all of the bags. And you're like, some people think I'm a hoarder, but that's like, you're not doing that for you. You're entirely doing that for other people. And I think that's amazing, you know, and you're not thinking about your, yourself at all in that moment. You're in fact, grabbing extra luggage for you to go and travel with, which is a bit of an inconvenience. And I think that we all can take a lesson for that because you're like, this isn't about me. This is about somebody that can use this thing. And it's, um, yeah, that's very, I mean, impressive. And like I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to this back, but also listening to your podcast as well, because I think there is uh, a bucket of knowledge in there and all these great little tidbits that we all could just really live, live by, you know, and a really great example. Thanks, yeah. Jesse. It's funny. And thanks for bringing up that whole taking the things off the airplane thing, because honestly, my poor husband, when I get off the plane and I've got a bag, my, my bag, my bag, and then my bag of stuff. <laughs> I got on the airplane, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for saying that. But yeah, I appreciate that. And I appreciate guys, um, you know, your, your mindful questions and your, your intuitiveness and in, in how you're showing up. I, you know, it makes, it makes it really fun to, to chat. Yeah. Thank you. And like I said, I'm, I know that you're in Abbotsford right now and you said that you're not being directly affected, but my thoughts are with, you know, you and your, your community and the people that you know, and the people that you're helping. And I just really hope that, you know, you can get some reprieve really and see the light on the other side of the tunnel. Well, it was really fun to put on a sweater and lipstick and actually brush my hair, you know, because it's been raining and we're, you know, doing volunteering and, you know, cooking. And it's just, it was really fun just to, to just take a moment and reconnect to, to the why I'm doing all this stuff. So thanks. Awesome. Thank you. We appreciate it so much. My pleasure. Yeah.
If you were inspired by our show, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen and share with friends. You can always find show notes at loveyegshow.ca. Keep listening. Keep listening.